0: Hi, you guys. You are listening to the Ritual and Routine podcast. If you're new here, welcome. If you are if you've been around the bend and back, welcome back. Glad to have you. Why do I say things that are so daddish? If you've been around the bend and back. Anyways, it's good to have you guys here. I'm your host, Mary Spirito. I'm an optimization advisor, think health coach and life coach all in one gig, and a yoga teacher, and a face mask connoisseur, lover of banana bread. What else? Oh, avid traveler, stand up comedy. This is turning into like a a bad dating profile. Anyways, if you haven't been listening to my podcast previously, I'm so happy to have you with the Ritual and Routine Podcast. I really strive to bridge the gap between the holistic and scientific to give you guys actionable and accessible tools that you can plant into your lives and create the reality that most lights you up. As always, let's be sure to stay connected. If you're not following me already, follow me at Ritual and Routine on Instagram. That is the very best place to find me. And if you want me to love you forever and ever, and if you're picking up what I'm putting down, I would appreciate the world. If you would rate this podcast, give it a five star review and write a review. That would mean the world to me. It's through those reviews that other people are able to find my podcast and see what resonates with them, and maybe stumble upon something that I provide on this podcast that could be really life changing for them. So, I mean, that's the idea at least. And I mean, I already adore you guys, but I would adore you even more if you would, if you, if you feel inclined to do so. So I'm back in New York after my stint in Costa Rica, and today we're gonna be diving into part two of my story when it comes to plant medicine ayahuasca so if you haven't already this is the part two of a two-part series where I'm detailing my experience along with giving the science the background motifs etc cetera, etc cetera, behind the plant medicine ayahuasca which is a plant medicine that is native to the amazon that is known for its therapeutic effects um having to do with anxiety with depression disordered eating um, Etc. Etc. So if you haven't already, I would highly recommend that you listen to ayahuasca part one, the episode, the episode, the episode <laughs> previous to this one so that you can have the background behind the medicine, understand the science behind it, how it works with the body and learn all the therapeutic benefits and hear part one of my story. I would make a lot more sense um, when going into this part two. So I would highly recommend that if you haven't. I decided to split this up into two parts just to make it more digestible. Um, there was There's just so much to be said about what happened in my experience. And I really want to provide it in a way that's very conscious. And so I'm giving you guys all of the details possible too when it comes to how you can You know, look at yourself in the lens of if this is a possibility for you, or, you know, just giving you the information that you need in order to make informed decisions when it comes to choosing plant medicine and understanding plant medicine, or just like feeding a curiosity, you know what I mean? And what's really cool about this episode is that not only am I going into the large brunt of my sick, because I only covered ceremony one out of four in my last episode. So we still have three nights of ceremony to go over but I had the opportunity to speak to Dr. Jeff who is the chief medical officer at Rhythmia. Rhythmia is the place is the ayahuasca center that I went to in Costa Rica and he gave me a lot of insight into how to interpret some of the stuff that happened that I had question marks around where I had a a good idea but I just wanted to see you know what from his experience because he has this is what he does for a living um how to interpret some of this. So it was really helpful. And then he also helped me to clear up any contradictions with the medicine um, as far as like who can use it and what it would be useful for and not. And then also gave me some really bomb ass tips for all of us empathetic folks out there. So I'm really pumped to like add that into this episode. I think it's really going to elevate it. And then I also had the opportunity to, on Monday actually, talked to a gentleman from Saltara and Saltara is actually a different retreat, um, in Costa Rica that I was looking at. And like, okay, this is how I do things is like, I, when I get very curious about something, I go just like balls to the wall, like all in. And I want to know everything about it. And I read every single book and I watch all the documentaries and any like I'm just thirsty for information when something lands with me. You guys saw this with Paris. If you follow my Instagram, you saw that I just went like, you know, full force, decided to like basically spend the fall in Paris, uh, just (laughs) like started to learn French like this is this is a definite pattern for me. But this one is even better because this actually will serve you guys unlike, I mean, yeah, my Paris trip was provided a lot of growth and was entertaining, but it it's, wasn't of like actionable value the way that plant medicine is because really plant medicine is a therapeutic tool. But this gentleman gave me a lot of great insight to how to create an intention for the medicine, but understand how the intention has a place when working with the medicine and how not to have so much expectation around how it's delivered by the medicine. Um, I think that'll make a lot more sense when I'm speaking about that because I know that sounds a little bit esoteric at the moment, but don't worry. we'll, We'll totally make that a lot more of a grounded concept. So now seems like an opportune time for a disclaimer. This information that I share with you on this podcast today and, and all of the podcasts really is for educational purposes only. It's so that you can see what is possible for you and so that you can also have the information to keep yourself safe. That being said, you are your own best health advocate. So please, if you are interested in learning more and partaking in plant medicine, I would highly advise you to talk to your team, uh, talk to all your doctors, make sure that you do your research And really sit with it and see if this is something that is right for you. Some people, it's going to be a very strong calling to. And if you uh, heard my first episode, then you recall how I spoke to how ayahuasca, when it's time for you to sit with it, there's usually a very strong intuitive pull to do so. So make sure you honor that, honor your body, honor yourself. And make sure that you have people to lean on and support you if you do decide to go through with plant medicine. So before I go into the recaps for ceremonies two through four, I thought it'd be a good idea to answer some of the questions that you guys DM'd me on Instagram after I had released part one of the ayahuasca episodes. So the first question that I got asked most commonly was asking whether you had to do a lot of self-worth. Blech self-work or have a meditation practice before going to do ayahuasca. So I had a couple saying to me, you know, do I need to like be seeing a therapist? Do I need to like have done a lot of this shit and have a, a solidified meditation practice before I go do ayahuasca? No. If you feel the call, that's the only determinant. So if you feel intuitively a strong pull to go do the medicine, then that is all you need aside from, you know, not having any medical contradictions, that is, in order to have license to go do the medicine. And the only reason why I say that's a like an absolute must is because the medicine is so arduous, like you're purging and it's not comfortable during a lot of points. So you want to feel really strongly connected to some sort of intuitive pull that, will remind you why you came to the medicine in the first place. So I although it does help to have, you know, I think it really helps to get really clear on intentions prior to and having done the work before, I think really helps to open you up to it. It's definitely not a prerequisite. There were lots of people with me who had probably were very new to the self um, work game. And I don't think that it has any uh, effect on your journey really at all. Like I don't think how you show up has absolutely no indication of what's going to happen during your journey. So I do not worry about that. Just worry about whether you feel like the call is aligned with you or not. Same thing with the meditation practice. Again, these tools are, I mean, these are value adds, but they definitely do not discern what happens with your journey. So heed the call if it comes to you. And then the second question that I had that I received was about bipolar disorder when it comes to doing the medicine. So, There are two different types of bipolar. There's bipolar one and there's bipolar two. I asked Dr. Jeff at Rhythmia about this and he said, bipolar one, you cannot do ayahuasca. And the reason behind that is, is because bipolar one, the mania behind bipolar one is due to elevated serotonin. And Because ayahuasca has a very similar structure to serotonin and also increases serotonin levels, if someone with a bipolar one were to participate in ayahuasca, their serotonin could be elevated to a level that would be so high that it could induce um, an episode, a manic episode or psychosis. So that is something that You want to be aware of and know that if you have bipolar one, you cannot use ayahuasca. Um, Bipolar two, however, is a different animal um, because it is characterized by having it's more about the dopamine. So, of course, of course, of course, check with your doctor. But Dr. Jeff said that arrhythmia, they would be able to work with you if you had bipolar two this is only for Rhythmia. I don't know about any other centers. Um, Rhythmia is the only center that I know of that is certified to serve ayahuasca and they have a really great medical team. So I would definitely, definitely check with your doctor before you do anything of the sort, if you have bipolar disorder, but I did want to go ahead and put the information out there so that you um, could have this conversation if you do have bipolar too and are interested in doing it. So The other question I got was about tolerance to ayahuasca. So is it one of those things where the more that you have it, like a lot of recreational drugs, the more that you need in order to achieve a journey or a quote unquote high? I hate to draw a parallel between ayahuasca and recreational drugs because like I said in my first episode, drugs are something that you use in order to buffer your existence, in order to escape. Whereas ayahuasca truly is a plant medicine and it does not allow you to escape. If anything, it lifts up the veil between the conscious and the subconscious mind. So you step into the chaos of whatever it is that you are looking to escape from and you sit with it and you understand it and you digest it. Um, but I do think it is very interesting that with ayahuasca that is so different from any other substances is that it's non-addictive and it actually has a reverse tolerance So what that means is that the more ayahuasca ceremonies that you partake in and the more ayahuasca that you drink, the less that you actually need to drink each time in order to go into your journey. So if you listen to my first podcast, you know that my first night, I had to drink three fucking glasses of ayahuasca in order for it to hit. But if you drink ayahuasca after a couple of ceremonies, your body needs less and less of ayahuasca in order for you to feel its effects, which I think is fascinating because I really can't think of any other substance that is like that. So that's really cool. And I think that really speaks to the divinity within it, you know? My experience at Rhythmia was truly life changing. If you heard my episode one, you know um, some of the great, great healing that I got. On night one and then I'll talk about nights two through four in a couple but I wanted to put it on your radar that if you feel the call to go sit with the medicine and do ayahuasca and you decide to go to Rhythmia if you mention my name when you are booking from now until April 19th let me know send me a DM or an email letting me know that you have mentioned my name and that you've decided to book with Rhythmia. And I will send you my guide of all the ins and outs when it comes to ayahuasca. So how to prepare, all of the different ways to really set a correct intention, all the things that I wish I had known that would have really impacted my time there, um, how to drive the medicine, etc, cetera, et cetera. It's full of golden nuggets that I am not making available anywhere else except for the listeners on this podcast. And in the spirit of full transparency, by mentioning my name at Rhythmia, you allow me the opportunity to return back and sit with the medicine again, Medicine has been such a life-changing experience for not only me, but for my work. And it has allowed me to show up in a way that I never even knew possible as a healer. And it also has opened the door for me to see ayahuasca as a tool for my clients. And I fully intend in exploring the medicine more and getting to know the medicine more. So that way I can open the door to demographics that wouldn't have the information accessible to them about plant medicine or, you know, there's still a lot of taboo around. I fully intend on breaking down a lot of these taboos so that everyone has every option, all the information that they need in order to have these beautiful plant medicines that could help them when it comes to depression, anxiety, um, and digesting trauma, really. Because I know that not everyone will be able to visit Rhythmia and that you may prefer other places and be called to go to other places, I want to be able to honor that as well. So if you want to shoot me a DM or email telling me that you have booked your trip and if you let me know within that DM or email where you're going, then I will send you the ayahuasca guide as well because I want everyone to have this information so that way we can all drive the medicine and work with the medicine in a way that really can optimize our life. And I can't think of a better segue to now pick up talking about my experience with nights two through four. So I talked about night one, ceremony one in my previous part one ayahuasca podcast. So definitely go back and listen to that because that was fucking major. Um, And now we'll just pick up with night two. So After night one, I, you know, I learned I had some pretty big aha moments of the healing that I received there, including the healing around some of the trauma that I had in my childhood. So I was feeling pretty good about night 1 except for the fact that there were lots of parts of it that felt like I was merging onto a highway and there were so many things flying at me that I it's almost like I blacked out and lost consciousness you know not that that's what actually happened but it was just so many things were coming at me at once that it was really hard to discern so day 2 coming into night 2 ceremony 2 I was a little bit I was a little bit scared you know I was like okay well night one even though i had these great aha moments it was still really it was tough um i had to drink three cups to even like hit lift off which meant that i had a little bit of a later start with the medicine so i had such a latent response with the medicine that i ended up stepping into my room on night one and getting a second wave of the medicine that was even stronger than when it happened in ceremony and was tripping in my room so Coming into Ceremony 2, I was like, I really don't want to trip in my room tonight. If I can avoid this, that would be great. The funny thing about expectation with ayahuasca is that it means nothing. So, Night 2, same shit as Night 1. If you want to hear more about the ceremony structure, then I would suggest listening to Part 1. I'm not going to get into it again now, just because for the sake of time. But anyways, we line up for the maloka, which is where we have the ceremony. And everyone's kind of buzzing, right? Some people had really awesome nights the night before. Some people had some tougher nights the night before or a little bit in between. So everyone's kind of coming in with feelings, right? (laughs) So before my posse, my posse, the group of people that I met who are so near and dear to my heart, we usually would strategize where we were going to be, but this time around, I talked to a medicine woman earlier that day when I was trying to clear up some understanding around my journey on night one, and she just had this really grandmother-like energy to her, and she gave me a lot of She just made me feel really grounded because I was feeling a little bit ungrounded by the fact that I had was tripping when I was in my room the night before. And she explained to me that when she tried ayahuasca for the first time and she actually tried it at Rhythmia, that nights one and two were really difficult for her. But then on night three, she just had a life changing moment and she just made me feel really held. So I decided, okay, I'm going to pick a mattress by her. So I go by her section and I pick a mattress by her, just knowing that she's looking over me, hoping that it'll allow me to slip a little bit easier into the medicine because lot the night before on night 1 I realized I definitely had a little bit of a hard time relinquishing control and just allowing the medicine to take me where it wanted to take me without expectations. So we do the pay. um and then they call for cup 1 and I take cup 1 and yeah so I go into my mattress and I'm like all right let's see what happens. Again kind of like The night before. Um, Some people felt it on cup one, but I would say like like half of the people usually need cup two in order to feel it. So they call for the second cup around an hour and a half later. I go and take the second cup and I go back to lay on my mattress. And with the medicine, yeah, so it works in waves. So sometimes you're really in the medicine and you can feel the medicine. Sometimes you feel a little bit more soberish. But this time around, the second cup, I'm kind of feeling it and I'm feeling like this this heavy feeling in my body and my body feels like honey, <laughs> you know. It's kind of feeling nice and I'm kind of feeling tired and the ceremony is pretty long. And so I just kind of felt like, okay, I'm just going to allow myself to meditate and I dozed off into a little bit of a nap. And then when I wake up from the nap... <laughs> I'm in the thick of what seems like is the collectives, when the collective is being hit by the medicine. So I'm hearing some purging. I'm hearing some sounds. And you're really supposed to try to keep to yourself. You know, mind your P's and Q's, everyone has their own process, which like it's a lot easier said than done, (laughs) especially if you're someone like me who tends to feel really unsafe when I feel like our – not maybe not unsafe but i feel like i'm i've really adapted ways of being so diligent about seeing what's happening in my environment because i tend my tendency is to feel unsafe so if i'm hearing loud sounds and i just get i get spooked easily and all of a sudden i start feeling these feelings that are just overwhelming fear right and also frustration cuz i'm like I wake up. I'm feeling the medicine a little bit. I'm feeling super fucking emotional. Like almost as if I was on my period times a billion. <laughs> like those kind of emotions where you're like, I don't know why I'm feeling so crazy. That, that exact feeling we you're like, I can't stop crying and I don't know why. That's what I was feeling. But also really frustrated because I'm like, why, what the fuck? Like the, two cups in, like I, this is, The two cut allotment, like this is how much the standard is, like why, what the hell is wrong, right? And I start thinking, what the fuck is wrong with me? So I get up and this, like I'm just in a hissy fit, but I'm also like in this emotionality, kind of in the medicine. So like I'm feeling it. It's making me feel like I'm I'm a little drunk in the medicine, but not to the point where like I was hoping to be. So I go and I sit with my medicine woman friend. And as I'm telling her my frustration, I just, I'm leaking. I'm crying so much. And I'm like, I just can't stop crying. And I feel like I need to have another cup of medicine. But I'm scared that I'm going to trip in my room at this point in time like I did last night. So I'm all sorts of afraid. I'm afraid because I'm just feeling afraid in general. I'm afraid because I don't want to trip in my room. I'm afraid that I'm not getting the healing that I want. I'm judging. I have all these expectations. I'm just like a hot mess and I'm losing it. So (laughs) my very nice medicine woman told me to go talk to the woman shaman who was helping for the night. The night was led by a male shaman, but this woman shaman was... Um, just, you know, usually there's like multiple shamans at Rhythmia that are, that are helping. So I go and talk to her and I'd made a connection with her previously. And so I felt really comfortable going to talk to her. Not like I, you know, wouldn't either way, but I just felt like really like I was going to be okay. So I went and talked to her and she is, as I'm talking to her, She's asking, you know, I'm asking her questions. I'm like, do I need to take another cup? I'm explaining to her exactly what happened when I told, you know, my medicine woman friend what was happening that I just felt, you know, I'm feeling intense fear. I'm feeling a lot of emotions, but I'm not feeling drunk off the medicine. And I'm wondering what the fuck is happening. I want more medicine, but I also don't want to trip in my room. And I'm feeling so conflicted and I'm just pouring with emotions. Again, I'm linking. So she is moving some energy for me. She's taking some of the sweet lotion and she's rubbing it on my body, which the sweet lotion, I don't remember if I talked about it in part one, but it's this lotion that they make up out of, or really it's, it's more like a water, like an informed water. That they make out of sweet herbs. And the idea is that it's supposed to bring a little bit of sweetness to your journey when you're feeling a hot mess like I was. <laughs> so <laughs> how she's doing this, I just and mind you, sorry, I should say I'm laying down on the ground in front of the shaman and she's doing this to me. And I'm in like my Hanes white t-shirt and like my throwaway shorts (laughs) and she's rubbing this sweet lotion on me. And I'm just, I feel like I I'm bawling from the bottom of my core to the top of my head. And I'm like, I'm crying in a way where it's like, so vocal where it's just from my belly you know and it's so deep and I can't stop and I'm like part of me is feeling a little confused as to what's happening um and part of me feels like I'm kind of fighting I feel the medicine coming on a little bit stronger and I'm fighting it right and I'm getting mad at myself for fighting the medicine And she just tells me, this is, you know, you're releasing, you have years and years and years of emotions that you're releasing right now. Everything that is happening right now is perfect. Be gracious to the medicine that she's cleaning this out of you. And I don't know, I, on podcast one, I, or part one, I know I mentioned this, but with ayahuasca, she's cleaning out emotion. She's cleaning out trauma. She's cleaning out anything that's stagnant within the body and she doesn't need you to figure it out and she doesn't need you to understand what why what it is that she's cleaning out or why you just need to sit with it she just wants you to witness it before she cleans it out it's gonna get healed either way whether you understand it or not right um and I and I realized you know weeks after a lot of shit like Layers upon layers of shit. And when people told me that you'll start having realizations about stuff you had question marks around, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, I don't know about that, but it's true. So that helped to calm me down a little bit to feel like, okay, what's coming is going. Like the fact that I'm feeling this is good. I'm releasing this, but I mean, you still, I'm still releasing this and I'm releasing it hard. And then at one point, she takes her drum and she's like, feel the beat of my drum. And because there's music in the 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 music is an integral part of the ayahuasca journey because it helps to move the energy, right? So I'm literally laying like a doorstop underneath her drum. (laughs) Like I would have just, I would have loved to had a video of me bawling my eyes out while she's just, she has this big drum that she's rested part of it on top of me so I can feel the vibration of the drum. And with that, I start to feel like the vibrations of this drum start to make me feel more of the medicine. And I start to feel myself slipping into more of the medicine. And I'm like, okay, I'm feeling it. And it's just more, I'm frustrated. I'm just like, why am I being left behind? Everyone's, you know, I don't even care if I start to see bad things. I just want to work through shit. Like, this seems like a waste of time. Funny thing is is that it's not it's not a waste of time. Like I had lots of things that I was holding on to. So I go and I sit back down on my mattress and I just allow myself to feel it and I'm holding myself and I'm just allowing myself to cry, you know, and to release everything that's happening. And something that I asked Dr. Jeff about the chief medical officer at Rhythmia was I said I felt like I was just releasing over the course of the nights just tons of emotion which you do in general but i just felt like comparatively which comparison is the thief of joy that i was just releasing so much more than the people around me seemingly and dr jeff explained to me that like and i also found this out on the third day that it's common for healers and for empaths who tend to absorb other people's emotions whether projected by other people you know for a living like as as do I like as for a living I create a container for other people to experience their trauma and to experience these feelings and to, to experience anything that's holding them back but if you're an empath and you're not holding appropriate boundaries and you're not understanding that the emotions that you are feeling are not in fact yours Then you hold on to them because what can happen is, as an empath, we have this wonderful ability to be able to disassociate from ourselves so that when we're talking to someone that we're looking to relate to, we can really feel like we're in their shoes, right? Like, when you're taught, if you're an empath and you're talking to someone and they're telling you about what's going on in their lives, you actually Feel a sense of what they're going through. You actually get to experience some of what they're feeling, and that's what makes empaths such wonderful healers and such wonderful friends because they can hold space in a very unique way, right? But the only problem is, is that sometimes, as empaths, if you're not saying and identifying that you're actually feeling someone else's feelings, but misidentifying them as being your feelings. You then hold on to them. So I kept saying I felt like I had a lot of white noise on night two. I just felt like I had a lot, lot of white noise that I was releasing. I do think that I was releasing a lot of my own emotions but I also feel like I was releasing a lot of emotions that I've held on to from my, comput- my, comput- my community, my clients, and just a lifelong journey of being an empath and holding space and not having a- an appropriate boundary for myself and just holding on to all these emotions. I was releasing this and all of this stuff on night two. So I go back into the room <laughs> after the ceremony ends and again... It hits me. And I'm like, mmm, fabulous. (laughs) This is exactly exactly why I had a fucking freak out in the ceremony. Because I did not want this to happen. I don't want to continue to freak out my roommate. Which I know she's lovely and she, she just was wonderful the whole time. And I know that she wasn't actually freaked out. But I just had a lot of ego around that. A lot of ego around being seen for that. And that's something that I truly think was a lesson is that. I had so much expectation, so much judgment, and so much ego around being seen as, you know, weak for some reason because I wasn't following, my body wasn't following what I had expected to have the experience in ceremony and not to have it outside of the room. And I really think that that was something that was maybe on purpose was for me to feel this way so I could feel like my ego was being challenged around this. To allow people to help me, to allow people to step in my vulnerability with me and hold space for me. And I realize that I have kind of a hang up about that. Like I hold space for people for a living, but I feel sometimes like I'm a burden when I allow people to hold space for me, even though I know that I'm not. And this is exactly what I teach people. So I really do feel like this journey on night two was just a mirror to show me where I have places in my ego that are stuck, you know, where I need to allow people into my life to hold space for me and how expectations and judgment, two things that I really didn't think I had such an issue with, I'm actually riddled with. So it allowed me to really take a hard look at my life and a hard look at all of these judgments I had. I mean, I never knew I was so judgy. And I realized part of them are, you know, are things that I inherited that actually I don't feel good about anymore but I just haven't been able to let go and then part of them I adopted out of fear so again it was just seeing fear for me was a really big theme for me on nights one and two and I think that whether I knew it or not fear was the biggest thing that I had to work through during this whole ayahuasca ceremony so Eventually, I purge a bit. Again, it's like driving onto a highway. Things are just hitting me left and right. I'm not really sure what's up, what's down. But ultimately, I get to a point where I feel okay and I go to sleep and I'm able to get in bed and fall asleep okay. The next day, I wake up. It's day three. I'm looking at ceremony three. and I'm like, all right, well, last night was fucking shitty. I acknowledged that I did a lot of hard work. I acknowledged that I let a lot of shit go, but it was fucking hard. And I was like, I'm ready for something. Like, I just, I'm like, please, Aya, Mrs. Aya, please give me a little bit of sweetness tonight. Just something, you know? Especially because on day three, during the plant integration class, oh, was I feeling so envious of hearing about all these people's journeys on night two. People were like, Going back to their past lives. People were going to Egypt. Being reborn again. Getting worshipped. You know. Just having the most. Going to the stars. Just having the most amazing transformative experiences. And I'm sitting here thinking. Alright. Well I just fucking was just releasing all this emotion last night. That's not very cool. I'm just feeling. I'm teeming with envy. Again. Again. By design. (laughs) So I go into night three, ceremony three, and ceremony three is divine feminine night. So it's led by a female shaman, it has the whole female medicine family. So I'm like, okay, this is my shit. This is going to be great. I'm going to be, I'm going to pick a mattress right by the shaman so I can just bask in all this feminine energy. And that will really allow me to release, right? And I'm feeling calm because I'm like, at this point, I've seen some shit like. I've felt some shit. I, I realize that I have no control. So I'm going to stop trying to control it so much. And I'm just going to allow myself to be. And I decide at that moment, even if I don't feel anything that night, it's okay. Even if I don't, you know, if I don't feel any pieces of the medicine, that's all right. I'm okay with that. And I think that really allowed me to have license to be able to let go because I was no longer placing expectation I was deciding, okay, even though I was saying that I understood that the medicine is not to be controlled, I was still trying to control it. So the ceremony starts, I'm, instead of, ch- you know, looking around and taking in the energy of the room, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to start with from within. So I meditate all the way up until the first cup. I take the first cup, I go and sit down. Again, I don't feel anything. Go back for the second cup about an hour and a half later sit down. I realize, okay, I need to just be a little bit smarter about this because two cups doesn't seem to always do it for me. Even though the night before I blasted off later with two cups, but I decided, okay, I'm going to take a little bit more. So I go and I take about a half a cup more and I'm like, okay, I'm understanding this dose a little bit better now. And after that half a cup, I start to really feel the medicine. But at the same time, because it is just like a little bit, you know, like the collective is starting to feel the medicine a little bit more. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, you know what? The first night when I went outside, that really started the medicine for me. So I'm like, maybe if I go outside and I allow myself to be still and I lay in one of those hammocks, I can jumpstart the medicine. So that's what I do. I get up. I take my blanket. I take my pillow. I take my bucket. I'm like, I and my roll of toilet paper. Okay. Um, so I take all of my my items, my ayahuasca toolkit, if you will, and I go outside. And it's it seems to be a great night for outside because there are, are a couple of other people who are outside, people setting up camp where they, you know, are laying out their blanket and they're just laying under the stars. And it's Costa Rica, so it's quite warm. So I decide, you know, I had a pretty good night when I got in the hammock on night one, so I'm going to... I'm going to get in the hammock. So I get my hammock this time. Night one, I didn't have my blanket. I didn't have my pillow. And I just remember thinking, oh, oh, yeah, I'm pulling out all the stops tonight. I'm going to make this real nice. So I get into my hammock, and I take my pillow and my blanket, and I make essentially a little bed for myself out of this hammock. And something about the hammock curling up around me just makes me feel so safe. That and having a little bit of the silence so I could really be able to look internally really helped. So I use the pill to kind of cut my ears so that all I'm hearing is just silence and all I'm seeing is the stars above me and I'm feeling the wind rocking me back and forth. As I'm looking at the stars, I see what looks to be like a little grid in the stars <laughs> connecting everything, which is really common to see grids. Um, I saw actually on my first night What I thought was a 70s dance floor was actually grid. I just, that was the framework that I had to understand what it was like. But it's super common to see grids between connecting all things. Because really, we are. We're all connected. We are all universal consciousness. We are all one. We are all love, you know. All right. Now Now that I've said my piece, so I'm looking up the stars and I'm just feeling an immense amount of gratitude. And a lot of love. And I'm feeling really peaceful. And I'm feeling the medicine. And as I'm feeling the medicine, I just allow myself to fall off into a little sleep. And when I wake up, I am full-blown in the medicine. <laughs> and every time I look up at the stars, it feels like I'm hyper zooming in space. And it's making me feel really nauseous. And so I'm feeling this intense nausea, really disoriented and a kind of ungrounded. So I decide that I'm going to put half a leg on the ground. So I'm mostly in the hammock, but I have one leg that is on the ground and one hand close to the bucket. And I feel like I'm going to purge. I'm like, oh, wow, this will be my first time like actually purging in ceremony. Congratulations, Mary, you're doing this. So I pick up my bucket to go to purge. And when I went to purge and I brought the bucket close to my face, I yawned. And this proceeded to happen over the course of, I don't have any semblance of time, but it, for basically the whole night. And it was comical to me because every time that I thought I was going to throw up and I would open up my mouth, I would yawn. Yawning is a type of purging. Yawning is releasing energy out of the body as well. But <laughs> there was a part of me that felt a little bit dissatisfied by the fact that I wasn't throwing up because I did feel so fucking nauseous. But then I was experiencing something that was truly incredible. So on night one, I had this experience where I had seemingly two parts of me, one part of me that was judging and one part of me that was mothering me that I really felt like was the mothering aspect of the ayahuasca. And this happened to me again on night three. So I'm feeling this and all of a sudden, instead of me judging myself like I was before, It was this conversation where part of me was saying, you know what, I'm actually doing really well and going through all of the things in my life that like I was really crushing it at. And I had this mothering energy that was saying like, look, like, look at how great you are. Like, look at how amazing you've been doing. Like, look at all the things that you've managed to accomplish. And I think sometimes just due to my nature and due to my job, I tend to always want to be fixing something. Or catalyzing some sort of growth. But just being and having a lot of gratitude for the shit that I have accomplished is something that I could definitely do a lot of work on. And I think that that piece of my journey was to show me that not everything needs to be fixed all the time. There are periods of growth and then there are periods where you just get to be. And reap the benefits of what you've created for yourself. And that I've created a really amazing life for myself. And then I'm robbing myself of the opportunity to reap the benefits of everything that I've created by always looking and picking my, you know, my life apart to see where I can grow more. When sometimes I just need stillness and to be happy with what I've created and being okay with just staying and sitting. So I closed my eyes and I'm just kind of, I really feel like I was smiling like an absolute crazy person. Not like anyone could see me because it was outside and dark, but I just remember smiling even though I was so fucking nauseous and being like, okay, I, I understand now. So I closed my eyes and all of a sudden I'm brought back to this memory with my little, with my little sister. So my little sister is three years younger than me and All of a sudden, I'm in this room, and she's a newborn, and that puts me at three, right? And I'm watching myself, and I have her crib on the left-hand side, and there's two twin beds on the right-hand side of the room, and it's so crazy how vivid this visual is. And I'm watching this all unfold as my parents come into the room because my sister is bawling her eyes out. And they take me, and they move me into the guest room to go and sleep. But for some reason, I feel like them moving me into the guest room is them saying that I'm a guest in this family and so like a little backstory there's always been some part of me that I felt like I dealt with it but clearly given the fact that I had you know this experience in the journey on night three points to the fact that I had some work to do That I always have felt like I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm the emotional one. I'm kind of a loose cannon. (laughs) Or maybe not now. But I was when I was a teenager. That's for sure. Um, I'm unpredictable. I follow my intuition. I'm hard headed. I'm highly spirited. But my parents and my sister. They're all like. They're even keel. Like I've maybe seen my sister cry. You know. Once every couple of months. I cry like once a week. You know. Anyways, there was just a part of me that always felt like I was the alien in the family. But I felt like I had made peace with that. And watching this unfold and seeing how I was feeling and seeing that my parents were actually moving me into the guest room because they wanted me to get rest because they cared about me. It just, I don't know how to explain it, but it was like all of a sudden I felt and understood the love that my parents and my family truly has for me. And that I'm not the black sheep of the family. Like that my superpower is how emotional and empathetic I am. Because it really allows me to tune in and do the work that I do. And all of a sudden this envy that I felt for my sister. Where I felt like she was the favorite child. Where I felt like they cared for her more than they cared for me. That all just melted away. And I realized how much this memory had really impacted the way that i had felt and seeing from it from like a fresh pair of eyes and understanding that my parents really just were looking out for me and wanted the best for me it just it totally changed my perspective and now looking back at all of this I realized that the envy that I was feeling from watching other people have the journeys where they were having you know on night two I felt like I had such a hard night but Hearing all these people doing the plant integration classes have these ma- amazing journeys, this envy was ayahuasca showing me the same envy that I felt towards my sister that envy of feeling like I was a black sheep, that I was so different, that I wasn't getting what I needed. So it felt really amazing to look back at that. I mean, I didn't have that realization until days after but it felt really good to see that I was healing a part of me that really needed to be healed. So I'm just sitting with this feeling and I'm enjoying feeling this realization and I allow myself to take a little dose. And when I wake up for this, of course I have no construct of space and time with this. When I wake up, I feel that my mouth is numb and I'm like, oh, interesting. And then all of a sudden I get this grand of of course let me just make a note here everything is all of a sudden because when it's happening it just just like plop these things start appearing okay so all of a sudden I feel this presence of these light beings and I'm not really seeing them like like it's all like a little bit like enough where it's like a knowing sense of them if anything And they telepathically ask me if they can do surgery. Or I just have this sense that they're asking me if they can do surgery on me. And I just remember saying, like, okay, yeah, like I'm, I agree to this. I'm ready for this to go down. And I start feeling this movement and this heat all in my back and within my digestive system. So, really, to me, I just remember thinking, oh, like, they're replacing my psoas. They're working on my psoas muscle. This is so great. This is something that I have a problem with. Like that's so nice that they're doing this and I'm feeling them and they're kind of working like my psoas on my digestive system. It felt like they were working on my solar plexus. Um, All of these things that I really used to have trouble with. I felt like they were also working a little bit on my jaw, a little bit like around my eyes. Like I just remember a little bit on my face and a little bit on my back, a little bit on my right knee. Like it was just, I can't, it's really hard to put it into words because it wasn't like a full visionary experience. It was a little bit more nuanced, but I just had this sense of like, like thinking like, oh, okay. I just had a celestial surgery. And celestial surgeries are actually quite common when it comes to ayahuasca journeys. Sometimes people experience them as aliens or light beings like I had, or they just have a sense or there's a praying mantis. So these are pretty common motifs across journeys. So at that point, I'm feeling pretty calm. I've had a lot happen in I have no idea how much time. And I'm starting to sewer up just a little bit. So I decide to make my way back into the Maloka and get back to my mattress. As I'm going back to my mattress, I just feel this immense lightness. And the whole room feels light. I just remember this twinkling. And I feel like someone was playing the triangle or the chimes or something. There was just like this very feminine light quality in the room and it seemed like everyone had just come down from whatever peak of the medicine that they were on and everyone was feeling really relaxed seemingly that's what it felt like to me at the time and I get back to my mattress and I just kind of doze off into a sleep and I wake up and it's the end of ceremony and as the ceremony ends (laughs) I'm still, I'm I'm back in the medicine again and I'm feeling kind of drunk in the medicine and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, am I going to purge in front of everyone who was gathered in front of the shaman? I sure hope not. Luckily, the shaman's spiel really lightens me up and it makes me feel a little bit more sober and I start to come out of the medicine a little again and start to sober up. And you guys... This was the first night where I don't trip in my room. And boy, can I not tell you how fucking happy I was. Not only did I have a blissful night, but I didn't trip in my room. So that was exactly the W that I needed going into night four. So night four has a little bit of a different format than the three other nights. The three other nights, we'd start the ceremony at 5.30 p.m. And we'd end around 1.30 to 2.30 a.m. This night was like a cosmic party so we started the ceremony a little bit later at 7 p.m and we would end the ceremony they said around 8 a.m but we actually ended more around 10 a.m so it's a ayahuasca open bar so to say and the ayahuasca that we drink on this night is called Yahe. and it's a especially purgative brew from colombia that is a lot thicker but also known to have really intense experiences so I'm excited I go in same thing I'm not gonna explain it to you I have the first cup of ayahuasca this ayahuasca or the yahe is so thick you guys I'm taking it down and it's almost I'm like oh this is this is just bark (laughs) it's like very thick To the point where you just have to allow it to slide down your throat. Well, that's, I know, really gross visual, but that's what it was like. So for me, I end up taking, you know, I I do my first cup, not really feeling anything. Do my second cup, not really feeling anything. So I decide, all right, you know, I know how this game goes. I'm just going to go ahead and I ask for a third cup. And he gives me half of a cup because yahe is stronger than the ayahuasca that we've been drinking. So with that, I go and I lay back on my mat and I really start to feel it. And I'm feeling like my head is spinning. And that happens within basically five minutes after I take that half a cup. So I doze off. And then when I wake up, who knows when... I'm feeling a little bit more sober. So I go up again. It's ayahuasca open bar because I'm feeling a little bit soberish. I'm like, I'm just going to let's just blow the doors off. Right. So I go and I get another cup. And when I take that cup and I go back down it. Wow. Just it hits me. And all I can do is to lay on my stomach with, you know, turning my cheek to the side. And if you guys were listening to night one, you remember that. On night one, I had this whole thing where I had to have one finger on the bucket. It was my anchor. Every time I lifted my finger off of the bucket, I felt so discombobulated, really ungrounded. But if I had the finger on the bucket, I was safe. So this same shit happens where I'm laying on my stomach. I have you know, my head at the end of my bed and I have one finger, my anchor finger, my safety finger on my bucket. And I'm starting to see all of these shapes, a lot of sacred geometry. Um, I'm seeing seeing like the grid stuff again. It's just all of this kaleidoscope patterning again. And I start to close my eyes and I'm feeling so ill. And I go to purge and I when I go to purge, I do the same when to go and purge, and instead I yawned and I'm like, oh, this is a sick fucking joke, man. So <laughs> I go. And I lay back down and even though I'm feeling kind of nauseous and whatnot, I'm feeling pretty at peace. I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm here for it. This is not new territory for me. And then all of a sudden I feel my mouth going numb again. And I'm like, oh, I know this. (laughs) I know what's about to happen. And this time I didn't see any sort of light beings, but I just had this inner knowing that I was having my brainstem being operated on and I'm like this is so interesting like I wonder why my brainstem is being operated on and being replaced and come to find out that trauma memories associated with it triggers and the emotional commuting system computing system wow not commuting system all takes place in the amygdala which is a part of your brainstem so I have this ah home Blah blah blah. Aha aha moment days later where I realized that I'm getting a new system. Cause usually I was feeling really triggered by little things. Little things would send me over the edge. And I felt like every day I had the infrastructure that I need, I had all the systems I needed in order to help me neutralize it. But it was always like I would wake up and have to have these systems in place to bring me to neutral, right? So It was really interesting to feel like I was having my amygdala replaced and I was having my brainstem replaced. So that happens. And after that happens, I kind of doze off and then I wake up again and I'm sober. So what do I do? I take another cup. I then go back to my mattress, start to, you know, trip out a little bit again. I'm seeing more geometric shapes. It's a lot of of the shape situation. And then I start to feel a little bit of emotion and I'm feeling like, similar feelings that I've felt on, you know, across the night. So some fear, some happiness, some sadness, but it's like nothing too crazy. So fast forward to the morning. Okay. In between this time in the morning, I end up taking another cup because again, we're blowing off the doors. So it's the morning and something that they've been doing throughout the whole night is they've been gathering these healing circles. And then the shaman have been going around in these healing circles and giving you personal healings. So By the time I'm in the healing circle, it must be 8am or something like that. So I'm in this healing circle and it's my turn to receive the healing. And as I have one shaman in front of me and then I have another shaman behind me or medicine person who is rubbing the sweet lotions on me and they have these feather fans, they have these palm fans, there's all of these different tools that the shaman use. And all of a sudden I feel this almost like a balloon had been popped in my stomach. And when that happens, I just start feeling this immense feeling of despair. Like, I think truly in my heart of hearts, as I look back at this, I think it was my, you know, I'd been holding on to in my solar plexus, just a bag of emotions that I was too scared to feel. So I was having a really hard time letting it go. And it took the shaman to come over and have this healing circle for me to actually allow this to let go and to feel it. So this, I'm just feeling this immense feeling of despair. Like I can't even put into words. It was like, as if my whole family had been killed in front of me and I was told that I could never see humanity again. Like I was weeping So hard, and I felt this sense of esoteric loneliness. Like, I've never felt despair and loneliness in my entire life quite like that. And it was so interesting because all these people around me, they're hugging me, they're loving me, they're showing me so much compassion. And I'm like in the thick of this despair and loneliness. And I'm, you know, saying the same things to myself I'm saying, You're broken. Like what? You don't deserve this. You don't deserve this healing. And it's so interesting to me that that was happening at the time because I had received so much healing the previous nights but that's what it is she was cleaning out that despair she was cleaning out those really painful feelings of deep loneliness and despair that I was too scared to feel and in that confines of that circle I think that was on purpose that was by design for me to be able to safely feel those things As soon as I allow myself to really like lean into it and let it all out and receive comfort from the people around me and understand that, again, what's coming is going, boom, switch is flipped. And all of a sudden, I'm, I know I keep saying all of a sudden, but it just, it's the only way to explain it. I'm laughing so hard, I can hardly stand it. Like I'm on all fours and I'm laughing so hard, I can't even breathe. And it's like almost like my body can't even contain it and I'm feeling good. And I'm like, okay, like I've released it. I'm feeling joyful that I finished my ceremonies, that I made it through this ayahuasca experience, that I received all this healing. And I decide, okay, I'm going to go back to my bed. At this point, ceremony is over. We're all, everyone's celebrating and whoa, surprise, there's going to be an ayahuasca wedding. So a boyfriend and a girlfriend were there and they decided to get married. So they bring out all these rose petals and they, you know, have this ceremony and they start to walk up to the shaman and the shaman is blessing them and it's just, it's a whole wonderful beautiful ayahuasca ceremony. As I'm watching this, I start to feel myself going into the medicine again. And I feel the medicine heart. And in my head, I'm thinking, "All right, well, I better relocate to a side room because I don't want to be the one who throws up during this cute couple's ceremony, right? So I get up and I move to a room that's a little bit off to the side, but where you still have access to the bigger part of the maloka. But just so that I'm out of sight and I could, you know, quietly purge if I need to. As I lay down, I start to feel, again, the intense despair, the intense loneliness, And I started to feel so weak. Like I can hardly move my body. Like I'd been, you know, like maybe like I'd ran a marathon. Like my whole body just felt like it was so weak that I couldn't move it. Even breathing felt really arduous. I just remember gasping for breath. And then I felt this feeling like... It's so hard to to put into words. I know that I keep saying that, but it really is. Um, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm feeling really disassociated from my body. My body's super weak. I have really labored breathing. And I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like, not just losing my mind. Like, I feel like I'm psychotic. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, Oh, Mary, look what you've done. You've, you know, you've paid to have your brain ruined. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, this sucks. My parents are going to be so disappointed when they have to put me in a mental institute. What am I going to tell my ritual and routine community? What the fuck am I going to tell my clients? This is so embarrassing. And I'm I'm really starting to struggle. And then I start hearing this voice that's saying, kill yourself, kill yourself. You should just kill yourself, kill yourself. And I'm, I've okay, so I've never felt any sort of suicidal thoughts in my entire life. So this is really starting to scare me, and I'm starting to to feel a lot of fear because this feels so unlike me. Like I, I'm like, have I lost my mind? And I'm I'm actually genuinely concerned for my own safety because I'm like, I've I've never felt suicidal thoughts. I'm in a weird state right now. The ceremony, you know, is going to be ending soon. What's going to happen to me? Honestly, the experience was so intense, it kind of takes my breath away because it was it was it was easily the scariest moment of my life. Bar none. I legitimately thought that I lost my mind. So I raised my hand because I'm struggling and a medicine woman comes over and I tell her what's going down. I'm telling her exactly what's happening. I'm like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I feel I'm having all these suicidal thoughts and it's really scaring the fuck out of me because I've never been suicidal before and I I just, this doesn't feel like me. And I'm convinced as she's telling me, she was like, you're not losing your mind. Remember, like what's coming is going. Whatever this is, your body is releasing it. Be gracious that she's showing this to you. Be gracious that she's allowing this to leave you. But in my head, I'm thinking, this is a conspiracy. She's not telling me. I'm I'm probably, she's looking at me. My eyes probably look all crazy. And so I'm asking her, I'm like, are you just not telling me that I look crazy? And my eyes are, you know, you know, when someone has that like crazy disassociative look in their eyes, I'm like, that's, I'm like, that's definitely what's happening to me. And she doesn't, she doesn't want me to freak out. She is going to go back to the rest of the people and tell them to take me away because I've gone crazy. But she's just trying to placate me. That's really what I thought. And as I'm telling, I'm just like, I'm just going to tell her what I'm thinking right now. I can tell that she's trying not to laugh. And she's being so sweet. And she's like, you look so beautiful. Like, you do not look crazy. Everything is going to be just fine. So then... A part of me, I'm just, she's sitting there, she's breathing with me and I'm holding on to her hand and I'm just asking her, I'm just saying, I feel so alone. Please don't let go. And then she says, well, after the ceremony is over, the wedding ceremony that is, you should go up and you should talk to the shaman and they can rearrange your energy. So I'm waiting for this ayahuasca wedding ceremony to be over. And I'm also feeling simultaneously guilty that I'm not (laughs) observing the ceremony. Okay. So a part of me is saying, you know, kill yourself, kill yourself. I'm feeling psychotic. And then I'm also feeling guilty that I'm not there to support these poor people. (laughs) So eventually the wedding ceremony ends and I'm feeling a little bit better having her there to help me breathe. I'm feeling a little bit I'm not feeling the suicidal thoughts anymore, but I'm still feeling like I've lost my mind a little bit, but not as intensely as I have before. I would say that it decreased by a good bit. So I go up and I talk to the shaman and I say to him, you know, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And he says to me, and he looks me in the eyes and he just smiles and he says, you're not losing your mind. Just be gracious that the medicine is, is showing you this. And then he has one of the shaman rearrange my energy. So I sit in front of the shaman and he's rubbing the sweet lotion on me. And I'm crying and he's rearranging my energy. And then just like that, I'm fine. Then I go back to where I was before. I'm still feeling a little bit in the medicines. So I don't want to be really in the ceremony because I feel like I still maybe could purge. But I'm feeling so much better. And I'm not feeling those that feeling of needing, you know, of those suicidal thoughts or that psychosis that was just like the most excruciating pain that I've ever felt. And after all that is said and done, everyone's heading to breakfast. And the medicine man who I bonded with on night one, he was always checking on me. Um, He was actually from Columbia, came in and he just really changed like a lot of what I was feeling at the time. He came and he gave me a big hug, and I was te- I, I told him everything that was happening. And he just told me, you know, what's coming is going. You know, this is these are all things that you're feeling that are being released from you. And he also knew that I was a healer. And he was like, it might not necessarily be thoughts that you were holding on to. Um, because a part of me is, you know, even though I am feeling a little bit soberish, I'm kind of freaking out that I've had these feelings. But he just was so sweet to me and was hearing me and was just making me feel so held. And it was, it was everything that I need in that moment. So I'm feeling well enough to get up and go to breakfast. So I go to breakfast and I'm still kind of in the medicine at breakfast, but I'm hoping, okay, if I have some food, then maybe it will stop the medicine a little bit. You know, I'm like, I've, you know, I've mama ayahuasca. I've put in my time. I am ready to, you know, be done with this process. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I've got the healing that I need. Let's end this thing. It's 10am. So I go, I have my breakfast. And as I'm eating this porridge, I just feel myself slipping deep back into the medicine again. So here I am thinking, fuck, it's broad daylight. I'm a hot mess. At this point, everyone around me is, you know, they're making me feel so great about the fact that I'm, I'm having a difficult experience and a latent response to the medicine, but everyone knows what's happening with me. So I decide as I'm walking back, I was going to walk to a workshop with two of the guy friends I had made there, but I just feel myself and I just have this inner knowing where I'm like, you know what? I haven't surrendered to her the, the way that I fully need to. And she's not going to be done with me until I just let her have me. So I decided to go back to my room and as I'm laying in my bed, again, I'm feeling these feelings of kill yourself. This, this, this word, these words are coming up for me and I'm like, are we, I thought I was done with this. Why the fuck am I feeling this despair? Why am I feeling, you know, this semi-psychotic feeling and these suicidal thoughts? And I'm feeling so weak. And you guys, that's by design. I later find that there's a reason why she wears you down. She wears you down because she wants you to let go of your ego. And it's way easier to let go of your ego when you're feeling weak. So I'm laying in my bed and it's about noon. And I'm just writhing in pain. I'm just so, and not like, yeah, digestively, the ayahuasca, I mean, I'm, my stomach is hurting pretty bad at this point again but I'm also writing because I just feel mentally I'm so confused I don't understand why I'm feeling this way and I'm just feeling so weak at one point I literally yell out loud I surrender and I'm like anything I'm like just take me just give whatever you need just take it and I call a medicine woman to my room because I'm, I'm pretty freaked out. And she comes and she's so helpful. And she really helps to ground me. She gives me a little bit of salt, which is a really cool trick to help ground you if you have a little bit of salt. Um, and then just helps me to breathe and talks me through it and says, you know, these are things like this is going to be over. You're not going crazy. This is going to be over soon. Try as hard as you can to just be with it. Just be with it and show yourself and show the medicine some gratitude. So I do that. The medicine woman leaves and I lay in my bed and I decide, you know, no matter how painful this is going to be, I'm just going to lean into it. So I start saying in my head, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for what you're showing me. And I just experience all that I can really explain as complete surrender to it. And once I completely surrender, I then felt this sense of, of calm. And I drift off into a nap. And about an hour later, I wake up from the nap and it is a night and day. I feel so good. I wake up and I'm like, I cannot believe that after the freaking war with myself and my body that I went through just you know, an hour earlier, how fucking amazing that I feel. My eyes feel clear, even though I haven't had any sleep. Um, my skin looks amazing. And I'm just feeling like this immense love and joy for myself. And also this satisfaction that I made it. I had, I had successfully gone through four nights of ayahuasca ceremony and I had the blood, sweat and tears to prove it the blood, sweat, and tears, and the healing to prove it. So I felt this pervasive joy going throughout me, even though I was still very confused by what had transpired that morning. And honestly, I had felt... I mean, I was pretty skeptical. I was a little bit nervous. Even though I was feeling a lot of joy, I was also kind of like, what the fuck was that about? Like, that suicidal shit? Like, no fucking thank you. Um, Yeah, so that was... That was some of the thoughts that were going through my mind. And honestly, I was still struggling to understand what that all meant until even just a couple days ago. So I was talking to one of my best friends and we were FaceTiming and I was talking to her about that part of the experience. And she said to me, oh, I think that what was happening was that she was telling you to kill off your ego. That part of yourself, that part of myself that was holding myself back. And I just, as she was saying that, just start bursting into tears. The way that you do when you feel something that lands so true to you. And in that moment, I realized that that voice in the back of my head that was saying, kill yourself, kill yourself. That wasn't me being suicidal. That was the ayahuasca giving me the space to surrender giving me the ability, the mirror, to look at the fear of death in the eye and to be okay and in trust and in love to surrender enough to allow my ego to die and to be okay with that and to relinquish control and trust that the universe has my back. So even though at the time... That felt so hard for me to experience on my last morning. It was truly a gift because she allowed me to have an ego death and to be reborn again, which is truly what I felt like when I woke up from that little doze. I felt so refreshed. I remember thinking, wow, it's kind of incredible that I look and feel so awesome when I really had been to hell and back. It's really crazy the amount of realizations and aha moments that I've had. Even, you know, every single day, I'm getting more and more clarity about what happened in these journeys. These aha moments that just land and hit like just such a chord within my soul. (laughs) And I can truly say without a doubt that my experience with ayahuasca at Rhythmia has been one of the most, I mean, it was life-changing. It was, I will forever look back at this as a turning point for me. I did so much work in that span of four days. I mean, how much I released, how much I worked through, a lot of people like to say it's like doing 10 years of therapy in four days. And I can tell you, I mean, it's like that, if not more. And something that really interesting that happened is that that day that I was leaving Rhythmia, I realized that my work with ayahuasca is not done yet. It's very common for people who go through these experiences to, you know, have a couple ceremonies and then say, all right, you know, they get their healing that they need and they don't feel inclined to sit with the medicine again. But I knew in my heart, even, you know, when I woke up from the nap on the, on the fifth day after the fourth ceremony, that I was not done sitting with the medicine and it was this bittersweet feeling where I was like, damn, how am I feeling called again? So close because sometimes people feel called again, but they usually go home, they sit, they integrate with this and then, you know, they go back maybe years later and they do it if they feel called, if they feel called. But here I am after the fourth ceremony thinking to myself, Alright, even though I've literally had the scariest moment of life of my life and been to hell and back, um, I've got a lot of healing, and I'm also feeling called to sit with the medicine again. So, I've decided that at the end of this month, being March, I'm going to go and participate, coronavirus willing, in another ayahuasca retreat. So I'm really excited. Of course, I'll be podcasting that experience and I'll be recording the whole experience. But I'm really excited because a part of me feels so connected to being able to open up the floor to the medicine, to being able to show you know the world that it's not taboo, that it is in fact a medicine and that it can bring a lot of healing into people's lives. And I just like that's so aligned with my mission and just something that I really felt in my heart that I needed to be somebody who was so honest about my journey and so honest about what I've been through. And, you know, this is a vulnerable experience to share this with you guys, to share my visions, to share, like, this is me opening up the deepest parts of my psyche that experienced my scariest moments. And To be able to show this and share this with you guys in the name of hopefully you guys seeing what is possible for you is really all that I could ever ask for. So I'm really excited to go back and do ayahuasca again and sit with the medicine and see if I can get more clarity on this, you know, and see what else she has in store for me. So I really can't wait to be able to share that part of my journey with you guys. Well, guys thank you for tuning back in to the Ritual and Routine podcast for part two of my ayahuasca journey. Again, if you're not connected, if we're not connected already, please find me on Instagram at Ritual and Routine. If you have any questions or, you know, just any curiosity about what I spoke to you during this podcast, feel free to send me a DM on there. I would love to chat about it. If you've had experiences with ayahuasca, I'd love to hear about your experience as well. So hit me up and let's make this a conversation. If this episode resonated with you and you really enjoyed this and you feel inclined to share this with your community so that the people that you know can see what is possible for them. Um, I really appreciate it. I freaking love when you guys share screenshots of the episodes that you're listening to and you share them on Instagram. Be sure to tag me at Ritual and Routine. Um, love that. And it really, like I cannot tell you all enough how much I appreciate you guys for being such a badass fucking community <laughs> and for showing me the love and for, you know, just being a part of this community with me. If you guys enjoy this podcast as well, please be sure to subscribe and to rate this podcast if you feel inclined to write a written review. I would so appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Ritual and Routine podcast. Be sure to tune in and subscribe for later episodes. Ta-ta for now, folks. Thank you.